deliciousness to your doorstep. Dive into a world of extraordinary taste where every cup is a unique blend of magic and flavor with Harlequin tea. From delicate floral notes to robust and bold blends, Harlequin tea offers an distinguished range of teas that cater to every mood and occasion. Harlequin tea is your passport to a world of flavors. Unleash your inner tea-tasting virtuoso and embark on a journey of sensory delights that will leave you with cravings for more. Order now at harlequintea.com and use the coupon PODCAST for 10% off and let the symphony of flavors dance in your taste buds. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Harlequin Podcast, the first episode of the Small Business and Entrepreneur Podcast. I have a guest. I have a guest. She's actually a good friend of mine. Hi, Tori. Hello. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? And thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been good. I had some of your tea for my, my morning tea this morning, so started off the day good. (laughs) there you go always always good always good thank you for that plot as well (laughs) (laughs) so as i said tori and i have known each other for 10 years at least yeah probably about how long i've been in texas yeah probably and and we started to get to know each other when i worked in animal control a long time ago Hmm. and you were volunteering there and already back then um you painted like you painted the dogs in the shelter i remember and we posted those online to help getting them adopted you have also i should have taken them down and put with me here but i didn't i'll put pictures up on the blog of the paintings you've done on my dogs that i i gave to my mom or was actually my mom's dogs so you are a visual artist (laughs) is a visual artist well I started in painting, so I kind of like did uh, painting in college, and that's I learned at JU to paint. And then I also kind of studied like business, and I was originally a science major, but I ended up kind of switching to business and then did a lot of painting classes. And then afterwards, I just kind of ended up trying to find a way to sell my paintings, and I like painting animals, so. I was good at it, painting dogs and cats and any kind of animals and doing portraits and they sold pretty well. So I made a small little business out of selling those. And then I like, I've always volunteered at the shelters when I can and try to help out with animals, especially dogs and cats. They just, I just care a lot about dogs and cats. They've always been good friends to me. So yeah, I mean, even after like in high school, I would go there after class in school sometimes and just walk the dogs around and so like I was already painting and I was trying to practice so it was just an easy thing to do and to you know paint the shelter pets and then like I'm pretty sure I think we gave the paintings away with them didn't we when they were adopted I think so it was a long time ago (laughs) it's 10 years ago (laughs) but I did actually not know that you you were having a degree in business I do not have a degree. No, I just went and then like dropped out. (laughs) But I went for three years before a lot of stuff happened and I had to move and then I just didn't go back. And I don't regret not going back because I'm doing fine without it. 
but I did learn stuff there. Like I took, you know, business law and accounting and those classes and that information was really helpful. I bet, I bet. Your company is Blue Nose Trading. How did you come up with that name? Well, uh, I started with the pet portraits and uh, I felt like I needed a business name or whatever. So um, I, the logo is a painting that I did of my dog, Azusi, and she's a blue nose pit bull. So it's like blue nose and then trading just kind of made it sound more businessy. So yeah. blue nose trading. <laughs> and I wanted it to be kind of ambiguous because like, like I did start in painting, but right now I'm mostly doing ceramics. So it's kind of like I can move and do different kinds of mediums. And if I need to sell or change or do something else, like it's all encompassing because it doesn't leave me stuck in any one pigeonhole. Right, right. I completely understand that. And, and I see that with myself. My company name is Harley mm -hmm. International. Within that, I have Harlequin Podcast and Harlequin Tea. Two, two completely different things. It doesn't yeah. even like match together. So I see that that is a kind of good thing. And, and yeah, is it your dog you have as a logo there on your uh, little bottom you see on your name? Yeah, that's Zussi. Actually, we got her around the time I met you. So she's coming up on about 10 now. Well, I think she might be eight maybe, but she's uh, yeah, about as old as the business is. Lies. <laughs> How did you come into ceramics from painting to ceramics? Maybe not that far. Okay. It was it was weird. <laughs> I actually had an intermediate step making jewelry in between, and I think that that was kind of where I went from two dimensional designs into three dimensional designs, and then I just was making jewelry. It was doing really well. And then I was like, I want to work in clay. I just, I don't know, the universe just put an idea in my head. And I was like, I want to work in clay. So I started like watching a lot of YouTube videos about clay and people throwing on the wheel and all kinds of stuff. And uh, then like, I didn't have any access and I'd never done it before, but like I found a wheel on eBay like a couple weeks later and it was actually up the road in Royce City. So I just went and got it. And then I taught myself to throw. And that was when I started my YouTube channel. And I have been recording that entire process. So it's been interesting because I was sitting here this morning preparing for this interview and watched through both your YouTube videos and you have a bonsai pot cast, not a podcast, but a pot cast. I love that. <laughs> I love the puns. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Where do you get everything from? Well, that oh. one actually came from another podcast that I listened to. So it's called the Wheel Talk pod podcast uh, oh. with uh, Rebecca and Ryan. And they were originally um, considering calling their, their podcast a podcast. And they were like, oh, we never did it. So somebody should totally make a podcast. And I like, I was doing about bonsai pot podcast. It's a ceramic arts podcast. It focuses a lot on ceramic artists that are making bonsai pots initially. But I think that I am going to expand out into other ceramic artists that might have other specialties as well. And what is special with bonsai ceramic things? Like I know the bonsai tree. But yeah, I don't know anything more than the bonsai tree because I lived in Singapore for a while. But 
Yeah, so a bonsai is a tree and a tray. So as an art form, it's both the tree and the container that the tree is in. So there's actually a lot of thought and intention that goes into the form that the tree actually lives in. And there's actually a, an entire like little tiny community of uh, ceramic artists within the ceramic artist community that make these forms for these trees. And it's like a, a like an art like an art form. Do you have to make them in a special way compared to other pots and things? Sort of. I mean, they need to be able to withstand outdoor temperatures. So that's a consideration craft-wise. They have to be able to freeze and thaw because most trees have to live outside. Um, and they, there's that's kind of what the whole podcast is about, is discussing as far as like design and intention and choices. There are classical, traditional choices um, that describe and explain how a tree should be uh, or not how what a tree should be planted in and what the pot should look like. But then there's also more contemporary artists who are expanding on that form and saying, well, what if we took it different directions or what if we change the colors or the shapes and kind of breaking down and reshaping that form and reworking an entire niche genre of art. See how much we learn. <laughs> I had no clue. For me, uh, bonsai is just this kind of interesting tree, as you say, in a pot. We've yeah, always yeah. had, and I remember because we're talking art here, my grandparents had a glass bonsai. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was beautiful. I bet it's in some box somewhere in my garage <laughs> still. I think we still have it. Nice. But, but it was really, I, I remember it because it was so colorful. And my grandmother was really, really careful about this bonsai tree because it was in glass, of course. If, mm -hmm. if that ends up on the floor, it wasn't a bonsai tree anymore. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so what else do you like to do in ceramics? You've made Harlequin tea mugs for me, which I love. I only have one left in this oh, one. And it's dirty because I have a brain. Uh huh. Sure, mug. <laughs> One of them was supposed to be for you. Well, the idea is mine. Okay. <laughs> so, what what else do you do in ceramics? I really <laughs> like to make mugs and cups and planters and bonsai pots, and that's kind of it right now. And there's a lot to explore within that um, in general. But those are the general shapes and uh, functional shapes that I'm making. But within ceramics. I like making glazes. So the colors that go on the outside of the pots, they're not like paint. They're actually a chemical reaction of chemistry. You actually mix a lot of powders together that are different uh, minerals. They're not like dangerous. They're just powders like different feldspars and oxides like iron and copper and uh, silica and quartz. And they're just finely ground powders and you mix them all together and there's a whole science to it that we won't get too deep into, but it's a chemistry science and that makes the effects and the colors that come out onto the outsides of the pots. It determines if it's shiny, if it's matte, if it's opaque, if it's glossy, it determines what color it is. All those little subtle variations where the glaze moves or causes flex or grows crystals, you can control all of that using chemistry. And I really love that part of it. So I do a lot of glaze work. 
that's pretty cool. I had no clue about that either. So <laughs> I'm not an artist. I can barely, no, I can barely it's just do a craft. <laughs> well, have you learned all this yourself kindly by YouTubing it? Um, well, I, I've done a lot. I've learned a lot about YouTube and then I've also taken some recommendations on some books. So, you know, there have, I do read a lot, like more than probably most people. And so I read a lot of books on it and watched a lot of videos and I did take a couple classes. Um, I took a few classes at the Creative Arts Center of Dallas um, just to kind of work on craft. And then I took a couple classes at the Richland College of the Dallas College Network, um, the Thunder Ducks. And I, I took a few classes up there, not degree seeking, just kind of taking, um, you know, college ceramics uh, in a, and, and then working among peers in an academic setting just to kind of see. I didn't learn much about chemistry from any of that. I pretty much taught myself most of that using resources online. The Ceramic Materials Workshop is a great resource for that if there's any random person who like somehow finds this and wants to learn glaze chemistry. <laughs> oh, you never know. You I know, know. you really don't. It's just a weird, really neat. It's like you take a niche and then you get smaller and smaller and smaller until you're like making glaze. Oh, wow. Because yeah. there's so many things you can do in ceramics. A lot of people focus on shapes, like they like to throw crazy shapes or forms. And some people are really focused on textures and they don't really care as much about like the colors and stuff. And you can just go so many directions and none of them are wrong. That, that's pretty cool. Though. But how have you, in the form of you started with painting, you went over to uh, jewelry and now ceramics how have you in that way the business has grown but how have you been able to promote yourself in three different art types if i say it that way i kind of don't <laughs> i mostly just push ceramics right now and like i push what i'm interested in and i'm not even like pushing i just share what i'm currently working on as far as pet portraits, I don't really advertise them anymore. People just see them and stumble upon them. Or I have a lot of clients like yourself who just every few years they come and get one. So it's... You get a new job. Yeah. You need a new... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that's just kind of, you know, it just goes passively. I'm not pushing it because that's not where my current interest lies, but I'm not cutting it out because I... I like doing it every once in a while. It's nice to sit down and paint a dog every so often. But I think that if I was doing it and pushing it and promoting it and doing it too much, since it's not what I'm super interested in right now, I think it would burn me out. Sure. So I'm only pushing, I'm pushing my ceramics and sharing that because right now I'm interested and I have a lot of energy there. So it doesn't burn me out to make it. But also it's like the jewelry. I designed that entire line of jewelry and I really love those pieces. So what I did is I just made them made to order and put them on my website. I don't promote them. If you're on my website, you know me, you listen to my content or something, you stumble upon them, you want one for a gift, you know, whatever. Every once in a while, someone will place an order and I'm fine with that because right now I'm selling a lot of ceramics, which is what I want to be doing. So, And give yourself a plug. What's your website? Oh, it's lunostrading.com. And we I'll put that in on all our social media and in the in the episode notes as well. So if you don't remember, just go to our website. 
shake it up, you know. So where are you going from here? Now your ceramics, are you having any other things you want to explore when it comes to art? <sighs> I guess I'm doing a lot of content creation. So I've been doing a lot of video wow. and podcasting. I'm really evaluating. I, I'm going to continue doing content creation because it is something that I really enjoy doing. But I am going to be, as of like since we're starting 2024, I'm going to be reevaluating where I put my energy because some outlets don't really feel like they've been worth it. Like Instagram, for example, doesn't feel like it's really it's worth it. It just feels like a waste of time sometimes yeah. with the amount of like reach that I'm getting back from posting there. So I think I might focus more on my podcast. I really have been enjoying YouTube. I've gotten a great reception on YouTube and I really enjoy that community. Yeah, so you, have you have like, what was it? One thousand something. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's a number that's best left unwatched. <laughs> yeah, you can get a little bit almost traumatized just watching. I don't them. even like to think about it, but I enjoy what I enjoy making the content there, and I get a lot of positive feedback. And so I think I'm just gonna worry more about that and less about whatever Instagram wants me to do because they're kind of silly. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But on the other hand, also your mm -hmm. art that and the, your thoughts and everything you make could make a good Instagram, but it's also another channel to maintain. I think I'm just going to post cross post there, but yeah, I'm not going to tailor yeah. content for Instagram. So I don't think much will change. I'm still going to post my, you know, here I made a YouTube video and I've got the short real videos. Uh, I make those for YouTube, so cross-posting them to Instagram is not a big deal. But I'm not going to worry so much about if I'm missing a miss a day or if I'm too busy to post or whatever, because it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and then you have Facebook, I assume. Well, I know. I don't yeah, know. I just post there. Honestly, I have a lot of people. Think, oh, my dogs. <laughs> I get a lot of feedback on um, Facebook, too. It's pretty okay. It's pretty local stuff, but it's quality. So are you clients uh, close to home or are you shipping a lot out of Texas or out of Terrell, Texas, where you live? I'm shipping a lot everywhere to all over the world, basically. Some uh, lots of mugs and cups and bonsai pots going all over the place. And I sell mostly pet portraits locally. Uh, most of my clients that come for pet portraits met me here and they contact me and they'll meet me up at the Bucky's or something. So, right. uh, <laughs> so that's mostly local still. And then the jewelry is pretty much, it's, it could be anyone. Usually people who buy my jewelry at this point are people who have bought some ceramics or something and then come back to my website to mosey around and been like, oh, look at that and grab some jewelry. <laughs> so, so it's just kind of anywhere. So what kind of jewelry do you like to make the most? Is it uh, necklaces? It's beadwork necklaces made with uh, hemp and gemstones. And they've each got their own little like special intentions, little spiritual reminders, I would say. They're not going to like solve your medical problems. Everybody, please go to the doctor. But they're like, you know, inspirational um, stuff like that. <laughs> I just want to be clear here where I stand with my, my crystal necklaces. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have that question all the time. What does these teas do for you? 
uh, pleasure of drinking, maybe. You would get slightly uh, hydrated, right? Potentially <laughs> caffeinated, <laughs> right? Chocolateated if you take the Belgian chocolate, mm. you know. Yeah. So I, I know where you're coming from. Please go to the doctor if you have any medical problems. Right. <laughs> We do not have a doctor's degree in either of us. No, for sure not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Mm -mm. And I don't really want to either. No, no, it's way too much work. I faint when I see blood, so it would never work out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> her, her, her income from EMS. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's a daily thing for me to see. <laughs> how, how will you, uh, what do you, like, think is the most fun with being an entrepreneur, a small business owner? I think the most fun and the best thing in general is just being on my own time clock. Yeah. Not like, having anyone telling you what to do, when to do. There's no, no, there's no micromanagement. I'm, well, I micromanage myself, but like we get along pretty good. So <laughs> you and yourself get along. Right? There's just no, I enjoy the lack of politics. Like that's that was the hardest thing about working in any kind of like corporate atmosphere is the politics. And I don't mean like, you know, US politics. I mean like when more than three or four people have to work together socially in a room, it gets tight sometimes. Especially when you work in jobs where most people are like a lot younger, it can be exhausting. <laughs> absolutely i agree with I, I i agree with you and i absolutely see that point because but every job you have you have to interact with people and uh, your job as an artist is a little bit one person job but it's, you interact a lot of with your podcast though podcast. yeah yeah you have a lot of guests uh, yes. On that I mean, I, I don't want to hide away in a hole necessarily. So I do, you know, the podcast and the social media to reach out, but it's good to be able to choose the community that you're working in. Um, the positive just, influence. Just, yeah. Just like you choose your job, you choose the job and you choose the office, you choose the store, whatever it is that you're working in, you have to choose that community. And I don't know, there's, I like, this community <laughs> that I work in, like uh, I have my consigners and I have my, you know, people I do work with like yourself and make your mug, make some mugs for you sometimes and have consignment shops. And it's like, they're my coworkers, but we're really level with each other, but I do work with people still, you yeah. know, I'm, it can't be an Island. So like <laughs> you work with people, you won't get your products out and you won't get a sell and you won't get an income. So it's gotta be, in one way or the other, right? Mm -hmm. Has it been hard for you to get out there at all, or has it come pretty natural? Because you're really, really good at what you're doing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's really challenging. Um, I feel like I know what to do, but it's really hard to build up the amount of audacity and confidence sometimes to just go forward and do it. And I do it, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a afraid to do it every single time that I'm doing it. Like, so like I'm terrified and don't know what's going on half the time, but I know that I have to do things. So I do them. What is your biggest fear? Uh, 
I guess, social rejection. I guess, like, becoming one of those people that gets dragged all over the internet um, for whatever. So it's really hard to want to, like, be out there and host a podcast and do a YouTube channel when your biggest fear is, like, that you're going to say something dumb. But most people are really nice. <laughs> and I don't think that I'm a bad person, so I shouldn't say anything bad since I'm trying my best to be good. I, I think there are other people in this world and in this cyberspace, I would say, <laughs> way worse things than you and I together can say <laughs> in a lifetime. But yeah, I, I can see that. It, but it's also hard to reach out to the people and get get it out there. I, I know from now starting this project, how do I get out of my own social friendship circle outside that of like a lot of the guests that we have scheduled so far is still in Texas. My goal is how do I come out of Texas to begin with? And then how do I reach out from us and get small business owners from the outside to come? Well, in my experience hosting and interviewing people, most people are, pretty down to share their stories if you reach out to them so if you could target a few people and then be like hey do you want to be on my podcast then yeah that's what i did like i found a few people that i really liked and i was like hey you want to be on my podcast right, <laughs> right. Were like, yeah we have a lot like i think we at least have guests uh, for two or three months oh so, good so, so yeah it's but it's always nervous starting the project yeah, so you sure. really don't know before you get that reaction and feedback like, oh, did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? How How is this going to work? Well, mine is pretty lo-fi um, because like when we do these remote interviews, you know, you don't know what kind of mic your other person has. I've had people record with me on a cell phone using like the 4G. So some of them are pretty rough. Yeah. And I've decided to to go ahead and leave them. Like I edited them the best that I could and cropped them down and, and did a lot of work to those episodes to try to make them really good. But some of them are rough, but to be inclusive. I don't want to, you know, exclude anybody's story because they don't have a Yeti mic. So right. it's what it is. <laughs> well, you have, you have to fly with it. Yep. See what it counts. And that's also, mm -hmm. um, I was listening to, to a couple of your episodes here, podcast, podcast this morning. And you as well have a very relaxed environment that like, I really wanted to try all this stuff y'all are doing. And I'm like, I can't do it. I, I don't you know. totally can. You're doing it right now. Because <laughs> I've actually had a podcast for a long time. This is oh, like my third project. So it, it's not the actual podcast thing is not new to me at all. Um, but if I see, like, I would never be able to go in and do anything arty simply because I'm not an art person. I have mm -hmm. no clue. As I said, yeah, I can't, I can write a smiley maybe. <laughs> How did you discover the love of art when you were younger? I just always did it. I always drew. Uh, I had a little, um, desk in my room with the big box of Crayolas and I would, grab like you know how printer paper comes wrapped in the mm -hmm. paper I would just go into my dad's office and grab a whole stack and take it back to my little desk and just draw page after page until the whole thing was done yeah. and 
I don't really remember what I would draw. <laughs> and I liked coloring books and then I just have always been creating, uh, but it's never been my focus. I always thought that I was going to do something more technical and more scientific. And I guess since I do a really scientific form of art, it's still kind of true. <laughs> I didn't even know that it was so much science and chemistry into ceramics. It doesn't have to be. You can just buy a glaze, <laughs> but, like, but I like to make mine. So it's just kind of what I enjoy. Okay. So if you have somebody now listening to this, going on your uh, YouTube channel and listening to your podcast, how do they start? Where do you, how would you guide them and, and start? Like, this is how we start if they want to go into ceramics. They look I, at all your videos and like, oh, I want to try that. I don't actually have like videos for teaching necessarily like that because I'm still learning and I never considered myself like a master of throwing or anything to make those videos. And there are a lot of people who have already made really excellent videos like I learned from. So I didn't feel like I needed to recreate that since it already existed. But if they were wanting to learn on YouTube, I really like um, Earth Nation Ceramics. I learned a lot from uh, Dante of Earth Nation Ceramics. Those tutorials were the most helpful for me in learning to throw. And where do you get your stuff from? Amazon? Oh, I buy my stuff from local local uh, supply stores and some non-local, but like they're small businesses still. Just whoever has the best deal sometimes. But I buy all my clay at Trinity Ceramic Supply in Dallas. They've got clays, glaze, uh, most tools, all my glaze chemicals, anything that I buy that's going to be over like 25 pounds in weight, I buy from them. So then you get shipping. If you buy from far away, you have to pay the shipping and shipping. Is exactly. Yeah. That's why I buy the heavy stuff from Trinity, which is the clay and the bags of glaze chemicals and some stuff. And I always try to get my sponges and whatever else I get while I'm over there. But driving to Dallas and down all the way down to Trinity Ceramics, it's I forget. It's all the way over by Fort Worth almost. It's real far. It's like two hours. And now with the with the construction, it's forever. Yeah, um, for those of you who are not <laughs> living in Dallas, Fort Worth, it's probably the biggest construction zone in, in the United States. There's too many people. Yeah, it, the traffic in DFW today is, is miserable. So. so for that unfortunate reason, and because sometimes I can save a little bit of money, I do buy stuff online from like Kentucky Mud Works uh, up in Kentucky. They're like a little small business and from ClayKing.com. It's another little distributor. And so they, you know, tools, random supplies and stuff like that from them sometimes. Do you like I know or I believe that you were out on markets and, and local events earlier a couple of years ago. Are you doing anything of that today? Not really. I've been trying to focus on consignment and working out like consignment or wholesale kind of things more um, like for bonsai pots and then also doing a lot of online sales and focusing on. Uh, online marketing and SEO and pushing, keeping like the photography up to date and keeping that online stock full. I don't, I'm an introvert and markets really stress me out. And also it's really hard to find the right markets and you have to be a certain type of personality and I'm really laid back, but like, I don't always match everyone's energy. So it's just, it's hard for me and I don't really enjoy it as much as a lot of people do. 
So I figured that I need to make my own way. Um, and it's not a way that it really involves too many markets, I don't think. <laughs> well, in marketing, social media marketing and, and content creation very often take more time than you expect it to. <laughs> you think like, yeah, there's somebody sending up a video. Oh, they just took it and then right up there. But and then it's the editing and making sure you know what you're talking about and how many retakes don't you do of something sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? And, and people don't think about that. As a small business owner, that's not time you really have. And you certainly don't have the money, at least not a lot, to have a social media manager. No, it's just me. I'm the yeah. I'm all of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm the production of the entire line of pottery, like from start to finish, which is it's, on, it's just a whole job on its own. And then also the, you know, the photographer, the editor, the recorder, the scheduler, all of it. I do all of it. It's a multi-fashionable job to be an entrepreneur. What do you like the most of what you do today? You you said the freedom and, and all that, but do you have anything where you just like, this is a part that I love the most? Is it the actual creation? or just coming up with new ideas of what you want to do? I think it's whenever I can throw my headphones on with my noise canceling headphones and put on a book and make a glass of tea and then just sit down and work. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the best. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get your ideas for everything you want to do? What, what inspiration channels do you use? I'm really just intuitive. So I just don't ask, I just stay open to what I like. And I just try to notice what I notice and then that's it. Like, I don't make it complicated. I try not to. I mean, sometimes it only gets complicated when you try to explain it. But, <laughs> Especially for somebody who doesn't know anything about it. It's just, it's just that ideas come up, you know, I just like it. I, I experiment a lot. I make a lot of tests. And then when I see something I like, I go, I like that. And sometimes I make like a lot of test tiles. They're like little tiny tiles with different tests of clays that I'm making and I'll see one and maybe it'll be just the right kind of color and texture. And I'll be like, that would make a good bonsai pot or that would make a good dragon. Like that would be a cool dragon color or something like, so sometimes ideas come from samples. What is a dragon? For me, dragon is like. <laughs> I mean, one is kind of scary. Some of them look kind of friendly, but I do some sculptural work, some dragons on some bonsai pots. That's pretty cool though. Mm -hmm. Any other There's animals you do? Uh, I've done a lot of jars, like fish and owls and different birds. That's right, I've seen your fishes earlier. <laughs> it, it's a couple of weeks ago I saw the last one, but they, those are cool though. The little goldfish jars. <laughs> I was like, I like those. It, it, it's a, well, how about plates and stuff like that? Are you exploring no. into that? There's yeah. enough potters making dinnerware and I don't want to, if you make two, I feel like I made a lot of things in the beginning when I was first starting and doing markets. And I found that like just making a couple of things and making them really well is better for me. So like, since I'm focusing on the glazes on the outside and that's where I'm putting most of my work and development, I'm mostly just making pretty simple forms that make my glazes look good and then making them really well. Absolutely. And not having 
like have five things that you do really well instead of 10 things you don't do all well mm -hmm. on that. Are there a lot of people making these bonsai pots? There's quite a few, uh, several hundred, but you know, not like thousands, maybe thousands, I don't know, but like, like not, you know, it's very small community. It's not like a huge thing, but it is a worthy and, and good community. Where do you find the tree to plant in the pot? Well, you can make it yourself. So you can go out and collect a tree and then train it um, to live in a pot, or you can grow one from seed and train it to live in a pot, or you can go, well, I guess the best place would probably be online since we don't have any good like stores that sell trees here, but you can buy trees that people have grown and trained, and then you just take care of them. Things I didn't know. <laughs> any tree can be, well, almost any tree can be a bonsai tree. It's not a specific species of tree that's a bonsai. It's a way of keeping a tree. It's a horticultural practice. Oh, see? Wow. Did not know. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was with the understanding that bonsai is also a species of tree. Mm-mm. Why do I have a podcast? I will be the very well <laughs> Ask questions. That's why I have one. <laughs> Ask questions. Yes, absolutely. So where, where, where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. <laughs> do you have any goals? Okay, let's. I think after 2020, I stopped thinking like that. I'm just like day to day, like seize the day. <laughs> How did COVID affect you, by the way? I don't think I wasn't personally affected by like tragedy like a lot of people were. So I'm thankful for that. But it did, I did observe the world shift. And that, of course, changed the way that everybody thought about everything. So, but business wise, did it affect your business at all? Not really, because I'd already kind of been doing it and then like it got things got better I guess because people started shopping online so we ended up selling a little bit more but I feel like overall I didn't have any kind of like it was either a like it either made or break like a make or break for me it was just kind of neutral I think most of the effects were reshaping like the global paradigm of thought and then adjusting what that meant for me going forward with yeah. everyone else thinking differently. It was, it was a weird time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we're just entering 2024. Do you have any goals for this year? Uh, I want to do, I'm looking for selectively looking to do a little bit more, get a few more consignment deals this year, some more niche, like, um, you know, some people who sell to sell my bonsai pots and maybe if I can find shops for my um, sip top tumblers, I was thinking maybe some for that, but just kind of looking into stuff like that. And I'm going to keep doing my podcast and I'm the second vice president of the Dallas Bonsai Club now. So I guess I'm doing that. I don't know what that means, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm doing that. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm just going to keep up with networking and making my content and working on my work and seeing where it goes. I have goals, but I mostly just take it one day at a time. Overall, my goals are that
that I want to make enough to pay for the entire house payment so that my husband can go part-time. Right? Absolutely. Because you got to have some income. Do you find it hard to get the income you need? And how do you expect yourself to grow? It's, it's seasonal. So like, you know, for November, December, and even, you know, a little bit of October, you make a ton of money when you sell stuff like this. Like, um, so it's a matter of like, you know, hoarding it all up and saving and then trying to be wise through January, February. <laughs> and then also just, you know, you don't, it's, you can't plan for it. It's really unpredictable. So I'm just hoping to get the baseline up to a level where, I'm, you know, a good, a bad week would still pay the, the bills, you know, like a bad or a bad month would still pay all the bills and a good month would be really great. But that doesn't mean that every, you know, month is going to be great because it's still going to be unpredictable. I would just like to raise my baseline. And, and I think I'm trying to do that through um, more consignment shops. So having my my pieces and my work in more places without me having to be there and then, you know, splitting consignment to give the sellers a fair deal for helping me sell my stuff. And then, um, you know, doing the online stuff. So I don't have to actually leave my studio, but I can do some direct sales, which is good. Yeah. Like, and then and picking up stuff. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm probably going to get my YouTube ad pay this year. Um, probably earlier in the year. I, I'm estimating with the current growth of my channel that I'll start getting some ad pay probably within like three months and that probably will be pennies on a dollar but it'll start that which means that it will start to grow and also i've got my patreon and i've got patrons now so work for you i because i was into looking into doing that earlier well i listen to a lot of podcasts with a lot of different artists who talk about it and you know a lot of them have their own content and their own patreon and they make things that are similar to what i'm doing and they said you know a lot of people like to have your patreon just to support you like if you're making a lot of content sometimes people just want to be like hey man i really appreciate what you're doing here's three dollars which i do that for a lot of people i'm on like four different patreons that i you know pledge to yeah. So I oh, started it up and I was like, a lot of, some people do different levels of commitment. I wanted a really low level of commitment for my Patreon because I don't need another job, um, especially not for like, you know, $3 a month. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I just do early access. So I edit and stay really ahead of my content and batch stuff. And then it's all early access on Patreon. And that's all I do. It's early access. I mean, there's there's different tiers. So there's early access, and then there's one that gets a, a written monthly newsletter and some stickers. And then there's a the, the top tier is $15 a month, and you get a pot on your birthday. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. And depending on how long you've been signed up, you could get a cooler pot. You know, like if you've been a patron for a whole year and you've paid $15 a month, you're going to get something sweet. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put all this information and all the links to your social media, to Patreon and YouTube and everything like that. I'm going to put in our uh, episode uh, post on uh, harlequinpodcast.com. I can't even talk. You can tell I just came back from my <laughs> job this morning. 
<laughs> hasn't been a lot of sleep, but it's fun. Oh, no. Thank you so much, Tori, for joining me at the on this first show of Thanks for having Podcast. me. Anything you would like to add before we end? Um, I guess if anyone wants to listen to my podcast, it's the Bonsai Podcast on Spotify and YouTube, and my YouTube is blue nose trading and i'm blue nose trading on every social media ever um please don't message me uh. <laughs> unless you make an order i guess <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for joining me and y'all come back in two weeks and we will have another episode with a new guest so have a good time and bye-bye everybody bye, -bye.